Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. Can I just say, we love you. We are so here for you. We are that crazy soccer mom sitting on the sideline with oranges Mm -hmm. and a Capri Sun and a giant poster from the dollar store (laughs) that says, you are courageous. You are brave. You got this. Because we believe in you and we Mm -hmm. believe in what God is doing in you. And I just, I'm just crazy about you by the listeners. Absolutely, wildly crazy about you. Agreed. Same. You guys are fabulous and so supportive and so fun. Mm. We are lucky to have you. (laughs) We really, really are. And I just want to give a little BTS. I know I did a few weeks ago, but this series, the Love is the Resistance series, is the most downloaded series. And we've only been doing series for goodness, maybe eight, nine months actually, is this one. And that just makes my heart like flutter. I can't even get over it. I just... I just am singing, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Look what you're doing. And we're just coming with open hands, y'all. We're coming with open hands to learn, to talk through these things of how we've got here, how we handle conflict, how we see ourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, before we get into this final week, Ashley, I just, uh, every week I've tried to share a little bit about what the book's meant to me and how it's impacted me, but I have something fresh to say. And it's this, (laughs) and it's this. Because, um, y'all, I got an advanced copy. Surprise, surprise, right? (laughs) <laughs> and uh, ordered myself a copy, got one for friends, and um, and I'm also listening to the audio because <laughs> I wanted to hear Ashley's voice, and it's I so love good. The audio, it's so oh, good. you killed it, girl! Thank you. you 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 went and did it. I was, and it's one of those things where your cadence is so good, you don't need to speed it up, you don't need to slow it down, mm. and you're so funny. And there's been times I'm like, oh, this is funny, Ashley. This is funny. <laughs> oh wow! But truly, I. I felt like I had such a shepherd, truly, like with the staff leading me through these difficult conversations and through these difficult moments and walking us through culture wars. Like you walk through so mm. many modern events, as, as you guys know, if you've read it, and for those of you who haven't, you've got to check it out and give such a wise perspective on things we've all experienced collectively uh, over the past, gosh, especially the past five years. But what does it mean to look at it through a lens of love and compassion and empathy? And it just was, oh my goodness, you guys, I was so convicted. <laughs> mm. Oh, I was like, okay, Lord, I need to pause so I can repent. It was, uh, it was pretty, pretty, pretty powerful. So I also just have to plug that audiobook. It is such a treat. Like you want to treat yourself, go get yourself that audiobook. Yeah. Also, if you go to Christian Audio, the book is less than eight dollars for audio. So I highly recommend checking that out. You're going to want to grab that. And of course, grab a copy. We'll have all that stuff in the show notes. So Ashley, let's land this plane. We are in our final week six of this series, Love is the Resistance. Hmm. Share a little bit more about what we're going to cover. Yeah. So I thought that um, I would take you guys, uh, you know, Tiffany's already mentioned behind the scenes, but I thought I would take you guys on a little tour of what this last chapter is about and how it came about. And Tiffany knows this story um, along with many of my close friends, but I was actually not minding my business on Twitter. I don't know if anybody else has ever had this experience where you, you know, you could just be quiet. You know, it would be, you don't have to say nothing, but I couldn't help myself. And I commented on something um, on a girl's post and she is like full throttle, you know, um, almost outright wing 
of the body of Christ. Yeah, and, I like that. Good description. Yeah. And so I made a comment and then she decided to um, retweet it many times, went down deep into my Twitter feed, went over to my Instagram, did some screenshots, and she has 330,000 followers. And what ended up happening is that I had to go private on both of those accounts due to the hundreds of comments that were so negative and so hurtful and so awful, truly uncalled for, truly uncalled for. Yes. From Christians, by the way. And so I thought like, gosh, this sucks. And I don't know about you guys, but when I read the book of Jonah, I think very often I wrote a, a whole chapter about it because this means so much to me, but Jonah really did have a deep abiding anger at the Lord's mercy and the fact that God was willing to save people that Jonah didn't believe should be saved. And when I thought about this girl who considers herself a Christian and all the Christians who began to comment hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things on Twitter and on Instagram, and then I thought like, Lord, when I get to heaven, if I see them, I'm going to have words. (laughs) I don't want to see them in heaven. You're going to have to put them somewhere else or not at all, Lord. If you could just place them somewhere away from me or again, not at all. (laughs) And I felt so strongly in that moment, you know, to a rebuke from God. And it was beautiful because I was reading my kids, the little kids book, um, I'll Love You Till the Cows Come Home. And it was this sweet exchange with the Holy Spirit because as I'm reading to my kids about how much I love them, I felt so strongly the Holy Spirit talking to me about how much he loves me, even in the midst of this very public, very awful conflict. And I, I felt God's assurance and I felt his great love. And then I also felt his rebuke and I felt him, you know, let me know, hey, look, I love the other side and no matter how much you judge and no matter how frustrated you are and no matter how critical you are about what you think is right or wrong, I still love the people that I created. Mm -hmm. And I began to write my final chapter in light of that, that particular instance. And I thought it was very fitting for the world that we live in today in a world where up close and personal, we don't have a lot of gall to speak some of the words that we type, (laughs) to say some of the things that we say or make the judgments that we make. And online, we do things that can be downright despicable. And this should not be so for the believer. And I began to read in Romans 14. And it's this great passage the Apostle Paul is writing, and he's talking about people who have weak faith or people that we assume have weak faith. And he talks about, you know, those who decide to eat meat and those who don't decide to eat meat, those who do this or that and those who don't do this or that. And basically he's communicating, like, don't pass judgment on anyone. And then he goes on in that chapter to talk about how, you know, we set ourselves up for condemnation by saying what we approve of. And I thought, how often have I done that? How often have I judged another believer or so-called believer in some cases, but we gonna, you know, God's still working on me, okay? (laughs) But I think that, you know, how often have I set myself up for condemnation by telling people what I approve of or what God approves of? Yeah. And how many people have I said, well, they have weak faith because they follow too many rules. They have weak faith because they don't follow enough rules. They're too free. They're too strict. And we just have all these different judgments if you're anything like me. And I think that we're living in this world where we have to learn to suspend our judgment and we have to learn to, frankly, mind our own business. And we also have to learn that, you know, we we need to assume goodness in God because he loves the other side. Instead of dictating to God who and what he should love, we need to be more open to understanding who and what God loves. And I really learned that. And as I wrote this last chapter, it really felt like 
you know, the, a, a love letter to the church, <laughs> mm. a, a way of saying, listen, we're going to get to heaven and there's going to be a lot of people there. And Tiffany, if you, if you wouldn't mind, I want to take a minute to just read this last little part here. Oh, I was actually going to ask if you would. That's yeah. perfect. It says pride does not show people Jesus. We don't win people to our side with fruitless arguments. God loves the other side. Heaven is full of people we don't like. Also streets of gold, mansions with foyers, and I hope hummingbird cake. People from Black Lives Matter, the actual organization, not just the movement, immigrants from detention camps, corrections officers, police officers, criminals who got caught and criminals who didn't, children, babies and teens, rich people, people from every nationality on the earth, mean people, evil people, poor people, middle-class people, paycheck-to-paycheck people, nice people, kind people, annoying people, single people, and single parents, married and divorced and widowed people, addicts, enemies, and saints, all in the same room together, together only because of the King who loved us so radically that by some thread of grace, we all made it through heaven's gates. Can you imagine all the missed social cues and faux pas, side eyes, and pearl clutching that would happen if this group gathered here on the earth? Yes, I can. It's a ruckus few churches are willing to raise, but it is heaven when they do. Love is the resistance. Love creates real change because it makes us more like God, God who is able to make us stand. And just that last part about God being able to make us stand, that's what the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in this letter. And he is writing to them saying, you are not the one who makes God's servant stand. God determines who stands and who falls. And for the ones who love him, for the ones who serve him, God is able to make them stand. And I really do think there needs to be a reformation in the area of our judgment and a deep connection to mercy like the body of Christ has never seen. And I'm believing for that for us. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. When I think about the power of love and its ability to invite it rather than exclude, that's so powerful. When you think of we've decided who gets in and who gets out, we've put up all these guardrails and a a locked gate, dare I say, of who's Mm. valuable and who's not. Yes. And it's such dangerous territory. Yes. Um, I grew up in a in a pretty conservative area um, and a very rural area, and it it wasn't ever outrightly spoken of of who had value and who didn't, but it was so implied, Ashley. And I think now as an adult, I'm like, oh man, I wish I could have known the whole time that everybody was valuable. I just right. wish I could have known. I wish I could have been able to grasp that idea. Now here's an adult. I see this beautiful wide world where everyone has something to bring to the table and everyone is intrinsically wonderful and yes. good yes. because they're made in the image of God. And yes. and I even said to my husband the other day, I said, I'm so glad we get to tell our kids the truth. Like I'm so yeah. glad we don't have to erect this house of cards where oh, if you do that, you're bad. Or if you do this, you're good. Or look at the Bible as here's who is good and here's who is bad versus seeing everyone is messy and in need of love. And when they had love, everything changed. And so when we see that love is the resistance, it's this giving in. It's not this fighting for. It's this giving in to our true identity of who we really could be when we decided everyone is valuable, including ourselves. And when we decided that love is far a greater gift than fear or judgment or anything that doesn't include mercy. Just as you said, I just, there's too much goodness. You guys, I think we spend so much time just bound by 
judgment of others or fear of what could be. And we're really missing out on this vibrant, robust life that is offered in Christ that requires messy, right? It requires leaning into loving people that maybe we wouldn't have thought we could ever love. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I feel like sometimes I'm so grateful for the tiny little Southern Baptist church that raised me because, Mm. you know, I I wrote about this and I've talked about it on here before, you know, because Tiffany and I love to explore like our history for those who are new. And also, you know, what does the what's the church looked like? You know, how did it shape us? How did it form us? I think it's really fascinating to consider how your faith experiences inform who you are. But I remember being part of this church where it was full of people who were either elderly or who, you know, were in poverty or some Mm. somewhere lower, you know, lower um, working class. And I think that that in and of itself was so helpful because my pastor, you know, his name was uh, Pastor Freeman, and he very often just taught us how to survive our lives. And there wasn't a whole lot of dogmatic rhetoric. He never told us how to vote or how to think about social issues or civic issues. He was literally just equipping people to love and equipping people to survive and equipping people to be okay in their circumstances. And one of my favorite stories about that little church that I was raised in is there was this little boy and he would come to church every six weeks and his family lived in the neighborhood and, um, you know, they were struggling financially and he would come to church sometimes and just sit on the corner. And when the deacons, the old school deacons would pass the offering plate, you know, they would let him, he would just reach in and grab like a $5 bill and put it in his pocket. And nobody ever said anything. You know, they just like let him, the the deacon would just smile at him, pat him on the head and keep it moving. It's not that they were, (laughs) you know, you know, wanting a child to learn how to steal or anything like that. But it was also just this affirmation of like, hey, we see you take what you need. And it was really just beautiful. And growing up and seeing those experiences, I think was so valuable. And so it it really has been a shock to my system, you guys, in the last five years and, and to see you know, how, how believers behave and how they understand social issues and, you know, not being raised in a Christian home either, I think made a difference for me because, Mm -hmm. you know, my parents had two different ways of voting. So they would often debate issues or candidates or, you know, you're canceling out my vote, you're canceling out my vote. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it never meant that, you know, anybody had to lose their standing in relationship or that somebody was going to be divorced from the family because they thought about, you know, an economic issue or a social issue in a different way. And so I've been disturbed by what I've seen and it has kept me up at night. And I just believe that there's a better public witness. And to your point, Tiffany, I'm so thankful for the things that we can unlearn, Mm -hmm. you know, um, even in my evangelical twenties, you know, going off on the deep end in a non-denominational church, feeling like, man, I really did learn some low key stuff that was really not good and really not God. And I thought it was biblical, but it was actually you know, church culture. And I think that, you know, it's, it's beautiful to be able to offer people another way. And I surely I'm messing some stuff up with my kids, but I'm very thankful for the freedom and the understanding that people are created in the image of God. And we have a responsibility to them (laughs) to treat them this way. I think that something uh, really poignant that you pointed out was you did not grow. I mean, we, we call it cancel culture and you, you really expand on that in your book, but this idea that from a young age, you weren't told that people who vote, um, pro-choice are killers or people right. who do this or that or if they, you know, if they if they want food stamps then they're 
welfare queens, like all these things right. that were often taught in Christian circles, sadly, right. from such a young age. And so it was the water many of us swam in, that this right. is the way you live. This is what's right and this is what's wrong. And they're out and we're in. Mm-hmm. And unless they clean up and think and act exactly like us, mm-hmm. they're they're worth nothing. They have no value. Right. And so this idea that you, I, uh, this is this is a beautiful thing that you didn't have this, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that I think that there is the opportunity for us who did grow up in anything like that to be like, wait a second, does this have the heart of God on it or no? Right. Does this have, you know, the fingerprint of the Lord on it or no? Yeah. And I think as we wade through the waters of love, as you're inviting us to, to really resist all that culture is offering, all the division and demonization that is just it's too easy it's mm-hmm. so easy to make a passing judgment yes. privately publicly online whatever it may be yes. and to simply step back and think wait a second where did i even get this idea from the first place and yes why why have i let this become so supreme in my life right like this is the way Right. Ugh, I wish As, I would have known all those rules I followed had actually no bearing on my adulthood. <laughs> right. No, I feel you. Because I learned some in my 20s that, you know, in my 30s, you know, deconstruction's all cool and a buzzword now. But like in my 30s, <laughs> I had to really undo that because I realized 100%. like, man, I picked up and even things that I thought were great, like picking up what I thought success was, picking Ooh. up a bit of like prosperity gospel, picking up that, you know, low key that we need to look this way or be this way. You know, like I picked up all these things and I picked them up in the faith community. Mm, And I I was writing today just about like, we need to be able to offer the world something it can't find on Prager or CNN or in the media or in the movies. Like there is a way of love, a way that believers and the beloved community of Christ can offer, offer people the truth, which is that God doesn't favor people who are rich. And God, it doesn't mean that you're destitute because you're poor and that God has no favor on you or that if you had a little bit more faith, you could do X, Y, or Z. Like, it's just all the things we inherit. You know, if you climb the ladder of success or you climb this ministry, whatever, then you'll be X, Y, and Z, and then you'll be valuable and you'll be significant and you'll be, you know, and low key, the church teaches these things and it's, it's implicit and sometimes it's explicit. And so it's not even just the, the things we need to unlearn about our view of people, but also our ideas about what it means to be successful and what it means to live in this world and what it means to be valuable. You know, the church very often teaches just like everything else does, you know, and we learn that the more success you have, the more stuff you have, the more money yeah. you have, that makes you, you know, favored. And, and of God. And it's like, no, no, no. The Bible don't say nothing like that. Mm-mm. It literally Mm-mm. don't say nothing like that. And in fact, every single time you see it, especially in the Old Testament, whether you're looking at Solomon or you're looking at David, you know, you see people's kingdoms fall. You just yep. go through the, that list of kings. Yep. There's hardly Come any on. righteous kings. There's hardly anybody who passed down faith to the next generation. They got self-absorbed. They got rich. They got full of things. And they were not full of God. And because of that, they lost everything. And they did not pass down to the next generation what was true. And they did not pass down to the next generation faith and holiness and goodness and how to create just communities where people can participate, where they are loved, where they are seen, where you know, people in the community are not put at an unbearable disadvantage because of the choices of other people. And so it's so important to see that the way we think about success in the church and in the world very often is not the way of God and is not the way of Jesus. And I think there's a real reckoning coming concerning these things because I I believe God is on the side of the poor (laughs) and I believe God is on the side of the humble. So watch out, y'all. 
Watch out. <laughs> but, but you're right. You see how we have glorified and idolized success yes. at the expense of holiness, just as you said. And it really is. It's a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing to do. And I think especially in church, we idolize people yes. who appear that they've been blessed or look like they have it together. And therefore... Yeah that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. Yes. And in reality, we have been given a beautiful, a beautiful image of what it looks like to follow Jesus by the scriptures and people yes. who actually followed him and how ordinary they were and how and how they did resist the way of the day, how they yes. did resist the culture of the day, how they did yes. resist and they lean into love. I yes. just, I, as, as I've contemplated and 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 really mold over your words and your insight and your wisdom, Ashley. It's just so. I as I was listening, I'm like, my goodness, this woman is wise. My goodness, this woman is wise. I'm just in my car talking to myself, but I was like, dear Jesus, she is wise. Wow, Lord, what you doing is beautiful. Um, but as I really did ponder your wisdom, I, I I just kept thinking, man, what what a prophetic imagination to invite us to something that so many of us we have such a hard time picturing because all we have is the example of our family of origin right. or our faith community or right. our work culture or whatever world we've you know been brought up in that yeah. we're, we have such a limited imagination and if we could just think of how things could be different i think yeah. we would be so shocked to see the beautiful abundant yes. ad- audacious adventurous life in christ it, yeah. Love can take you places, right? Absolutely. Like love changes everything. And not only it's internal, yes. the external consequences are beautiful. They're beautiful. Yes. What Absolutely. happens when we love? Yes. Okay. I love that because I think that what you're saying just immediately what comes to mind is presence. Like love is so present and it's not striving and it's not concerned for like, what, what am I going to do tomorrow and how am I going to do this or that? And it's also not drowning in the past. Like all the things that happen to me that are hindering me right now, like love is so present and it's not hurry and it's not worry. It's like there, and, and this is difficult. Like I'm preaching to myself. These are very hard things to actually live, especially right. in the context of the world that we're living in. So I'm oh, not man. saying that like I have figured this out, but there is a presence about love that brings contentment and it brings Mm. this level of gosh I can distill all these things that I care about down to this this one thing the thing that is in front of me and I when I look biblically you know they didn't have obviously there were no TVs there's no cell phones there's no you know you had what was right in front of you and had to find a way to be content with your your little life and (laughs) I just have been asking God lately Lord would you help me and would you help the body of believers to be content with their little life. Like, would you help us to fall wholly into it? And would you help us to, you know, resist striving and, you know, resist the hurry and the anxiety that comes with living in this world? And God, again, would you help us mind our own business in a way that's Mm. helpful and to speak up when we need to speak up, like use everything God's given you. You got a voice at your job. You got a voice at your home. You got a voice online. Use that. You know, there's no shame in that Um, or doing those, those types of things but just to think back like god is this me offering the best that i have to the life that you have given me and am i present unto it today god and am i content in it or am i constantly dissatisfied or constantly perpetually disappointed and god would you help me and i think this this returning to a small life and a small way of living um, is so important for us. And if God does bless you with tremendous influence or a role of power somewhere in the world or in your sector that, you know, of influence, I think that that, that small way of living is actually the character you need to keep you 
in that place of power and in that place of influence to keep you thinking about others, to keep you thinking about how to benefit the people that God has entrusted to you, to think about what it looks like to create a more just, holy, good world. You know, it's, it's the daily practices that keep us grounded and give us capacity to, to handle more influence. Oh, that's beautiful. Just a, just a beacon to, to ordinary life and to really show up in your everyday life. I, um, one of the ways I feel like we can all embody that is just caring about the people in front of you when you're looking at them yeah. and we're and as I think especially you know the last 18 months so many of us have been on our phone we've been online yes. to just unplug and be yes. in pre- in the presence of the people around you and be like oh yeah yes. this is actually real frigging life like yeah this is real life this is yes. real life That's not me it. arguing with somebody on the internet you know like this is real yes. life this is this is the real ordinary life that's Ashley, right. you done did it. I, may I pray? May I? I just, I'd love to close in prayer over just mm-hmm. those who are going to read this and those who have yet to, and just the impact it's going to make. Lord, I just come before you and I join along with thousands of others who are in this together. We're learning. We're, we're coming to you open-handed to understand the nature of love, to understand its power to resist the way of the world, the way of the flesh. Oh, Lord, we just ask right now that you would go before, continue to go before this book for all who will read it. Would they absorb it? Would it transform them? We know that words change worlds. Yeah. They give us ideas and beliefs that maybe we didn't have before. They move us from here to there. And you have used Ashley in such a mighty way as a shepherd. I feel like she's just reaching out, grabbing our hand, and inviting us into the messy, nuanced conflict that so many of us are avoiding, hiding our head under the pillow and inviting us to see you in them, inviting us to practice the way of you even in the tense moments. We're not to avoid the tension. We're to manage it. We're to learn from it. We're to love through it. So Lord, we say thank you in advance for all that you're going to do for the thousands upon thousands upon thousands who are are already read it and are going to read it. We know that um, it's your Holy Spirit who does the heavy lifting through each and every word, through each and every paragraph and line. And we ask the victory would be yours. And why the listeners, we say thank you. Thank you for this journey. Yeah. We are all learning here. We're all in this together. Yes. And the journey is only getting started. We love you, love you, love you. Very much so. Have a great week, you guys. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.